0: Well, it's a real joy and a privilege to be here. Thank you, Pastor Leon and Allison, for your invitation and hospitality. Uh, I met Leon, Pastor Leon, last year uh, at the Elam Leader Summit. He was one of the speakers, keynote speakers, and I listened to him and I thought, oh, I like this guy. He's fantastic. I had the privilege of being with him in India, and I really believe that, uh, you know, this friendship, I think God's going to uh, build it and develop it, and we're in this together. It's a real honor and a privilege to be here. Can you honor your pastor? Come on, let's put our hands together. Um, Fantastic. I'll bring you greetings from New Zealand. It's midnight over there. Normally, it's the preacher's job to keep the people awake. Today it's your job to keep me awake. And I hope you can understand my Sri Lankan, Kiwi, heavenly accent. This is, what how, this is how we're all going to sound. I was saying to that young lady, who oh, not she great at the nose? I just thought, I man, I think you should move to New Zealand. Um, and I said to her, can you understand my accent? Do you need subtitles? So I hope through the power of the Holy Spirit you will, you will understand me today. It's a great honor to be part of this message series, Live your best life. And today I want to do my very best to focus on the life of Noah. Noah, the man who stood firm, who lived wholeheartedly. And as I was preparing for this message, I came across a very interesting story or a joke about Noah. And it goes like this. In the year 2019, the Lord came unto Noah, who was now living in the UK and said, once again, the earth has become wicked and overpopulated." and I see the end of all flesh before me. Build another ark and save two of every living thing along with a few good humans. He gave Noah the blueprint saying, you have six months to build the ark before I will start the unending rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Noah wondered what the point of building the ark was because unending rain for 40 days and 40 nights was normal in the UK. But he knew he must obey the Lord. Six months later, The Lord looked down and saw Noah weeping at the back of his house. Noah, I'm I'm about to start the rain. Where's the ark? Forgive me, Lord, begged Noah, but things have changed. I needed a building consent from the council. I've been arguing with the fire service, service about the need for a sprinkler system. My neighbors claimed that I violated the zoning laws by building the ark on my property and exceeding the height limitations. We then had to go to arbitration for a decision. Then the electricity companies demanded a bond be posted for the future costs of moving power lines and other overhead obstructions to clear the passage for the ark's move to the sea. I argued that the sea would be coming to us, but they would hear nothing of it. Getting the wood was another problem. The Greens have placed a ban on cutting local timber. I tried to convince the environmentalists that I needed the wood to save the birds, but no go. When I started gathering the animals, I got sued by an animal rights group they insisted that I was confining wild animals against their will. As well, they argued the accommodation was too restrictive and it was too cruel and inhumane to put so many animals in a confined space. I'm still trying to resolve a complaint with the Human Rights Commission on how many people I'm supposed to hire for my building crew and the requirements for separate female toilets in case I hire a woman. The trades union insists... I have to hire only union workers with arc building experience. And they expect a day in lieu if we work weekends or public holidays plus holiday pay and rain allowances. Health and safety at work has decreed each employee must be equipped with a life jacket and personal life raft even though we are building on the mountain. To make matters worse. The inland revenue seized all my assets, claiming I'm trying to leave the country illegally with endangered species. So forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, but it would take at least 10 years for me to finish this ark. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly the skies cleared, the sun began to shine, and a beautiful rainbow stretched across the sky. Noah looked up in wonder and asked, You mean you're not going to destroy the world? No, said the Lord. The government beat me to it. (laughs) You want something deep? There you go. That's deep teaching. This morning, as we look at the life of Noah, I want to speak to us about four common pitfalls That every single one of us will face at some stage in our lives. These pitfalls will keep us from reaching our God-given destiny, God-given plans and purposes, God-given vision for our lives. These pitfalls will keep you from living wholeheartedly. The truth is, so many people start off great, but they don't end well because they don't know how to plan ahead. The Bible says it's wise to plan ahead as we go through this journey of life. There are pitfalls that will come along our path. And these pitfalls will test us. Let me tell you, every single person here in this room, if you're breathing, your heart is beating. If it is not beating, well, you need to ring an ambulance. But anyway, uh, if you're alive, let me tell you, you will be tested. So today I want us to look at four key pitfalls. We will all face at some point... In our journey, Noah had to face them all. Here's the first one, the first pitfall. If you're taking notes, I really encourage you to write this down because note takers are history makers. So, so, so write that down. And Russ, what a legend. He, he created these slides for me. Give Russ a big hand. He's a man. He's a man. If he lived in New Zealand, we'll call him Russo. Everybody is called Russell. If you lived in uh, New Zealand, we'll call it Leo and I'll be Boido. And, uh, anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that. Here's the first pitfall. The voice of doubt. The voice of doubt. Everybody say doubt. Yeah. Let me tell you, I call this one the dream buster. The reality is once you establish a dream or once you establish a God-given vision, there will be all kinds of things they will try and stop you from fulfilling that dream, fulfilling that vision. You know, often, let me tell you, if you get a God-given vision, God-given dream, expect opposition. Expect criticism. Expect things to go wrong. People always think when they become a Christian, all of a sudden, all their problems are going to disappear. There's no storms in life or the challenges are going to be life. We're just going to come to church and we're going to sing these songs and we're just going to be like, isn't life wonderful? I am so sorry to break this to you. The Christian life, the Bible says, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. See, there will be critics, culture, media, competition, even the devil himself. These dream busters will try and put doubt uh, in our minds. And the voice of doubt can detour you and cause you to fall off the road and into the ditch. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they camp in the ditch. Write this down. Failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. Failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. I mean, think about all the dream busters in Noah's life. Imagine being Noah's neighbor every morning. Here he is building this ark, which is the size of a battleship. All these neighbors, they would have criticized him day after day. Have you ever heard people say, Oh, I live next door to some crazy neighbor. Raise your hand if you've got crazy neighbors that you live next door to. I'll pray for you at the end of the service. And, uh, you know, imagine day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. All he hears is voice, voices of doubt and criticism and negativity. How did he do it? He listened to the voice of God and not the voices of doubt. It's the same for all of us. We need to listen to the voice of God, not the voices of doubt. Why? Because we will all have dream busters that seek to destroy our dream. They will try and talk us out of it. At the age of four or five years old, I remember... God calling me to become a pastor and, and I, all I wanted to do for the rest of my life was to serve God and I remember when I was about 20 years old 20 or 21 years old at that time I was uh, at Hillsong conference in Sydney and I stayed with this lovely gentleman at his house he was kind enough to let me stay there for a week and one particular morning we were having breakfast and and he just asked me boyd what do you see yourself doing one day I very passionately shared this shared this dream with him that I want to be a pastor I want to change the world and I I thought at the end of my passionate presentation, he was going to stand up and clap and say, "I am, am, you know, I'm going to champion you. I'm going to support you." Instead, he sat there criticizing my dreams and criticizing me and telling me, "You're this, and you are that, and you are this, and you don't have this." And all of a sudden, I had to stop him because I was like, "I don't want to listen to the voices of doubt. I'm not called by man. I'm called by God, and I want to stop him." So I stopped him and I said to him, "Look, I thank you for allowing me to stay in your house." But I'm not who you say I am. I am who He says I am. Let me tell you, the real view of who you are is not what your boss tells you you are or what your family member told you that you are or you are this or you are. The real view of who you are is who God says you are. And the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Can I get an amen this morning? Let me tell you, just because someone has an opinion doesn't mean they're right. See, opinions are like armpits. We all have them. And some of them stink. Let me tell you, some opinions stink. Don't listen to stinking opinions. You are made in the image of God. You are who he says you are. I mean, the Bible is full of dream busters. Jairus, his friends tried to talk him out of going to see Jesus when his daughter was sick. Joseph, his family, they try to talk him out of his dream. They said he was crazy. But I believe the greatest dream buster in our lives, in our lives is actually ourselves, is the way we talk to ourselves. We constantly talk negatively to ourselves. We say things like, I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. God can't use me, I'm this, I'm that, I don't have this, or I don't have that. We're often so good at talking, to, talking ourselves out of fulfilling our God-given dreams and, and visions. But here's the reality, here's the truth. We cannot be trusted to tell ourselves the truth. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. In other words, we have the amazing ability to lie to ourselves. And that's why we need to listen to the voice of God and not the voices of doubt. Because God will never lie to us. People around you may have lied to you. Your parents may have lied to you. Have you ever watched X Factor? A young innocent person comes and they sing and they're terrible. They're on national television terrible singer and poor judge has to break the news to this person and then the first thing they say to you is who told you you can't sing and they say oh, mommy told me I can sing I'm so sorry to tell you this your mama lied to you mommy didn't tell you the truth you're a terrible singer I hope I don't, I'm not ruining someone's dream here this morning I'm doing the exact opposite of what I'm supposed to do let me tell you God will never lie to you Hebrews eleven seven. 7, it was by faith that Noah heard God's warnings about the things he could not yet see. I want you to circle the word heard. Noah trusted what he heard because he could not see it at that time. He couldn't see the rain. He couldn't see the flood. He couldn't see it, but he heard it. In the same way, we cannot see our future either, but we must trust God instead of our, of our voices of doubt. We cannot see our destiny, but we trust God anyway. This, this kind of trust is called faith. Faith is believing what you cannot see. 2 Corinthians four eighteen. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. In other words, we look forward to what we have not seen yet because the things we see right now are only Temporary. They're not going to last forever. It's what we don't see that's going to last forever. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you focusing on? Are you focused on the temporary or are you focused on the eternal? It's a choice that each and every one of us have to make. So the first pitfall is, is, is the voices of destiny, sorry, of doubt. The second pitfall is tempting shortcuts. Tempting shortcuts. Tempting shortcuts will test you. Shortcuts such as moral shortcuts, financial shortcuts, relational shortcuts, ethical shortcuts. These shortcuts will tempt you to, to give up or to do something fast instead of doing something right. Let me tell you, we live in a society that values speed. People want instant success. People want to be an overnight sensation. We want to be famous. We want to be this person or we want to be that person. And we're all about the destination. We want to get there as soon as we can. The reality is that we are not called to be famous. We're called to be faithful. God doesn't value speed. He values doing what is right. See, let me tell you, we will all be tempted at some stage in our lives to take shortcuts uh, and get to the destination as soon as we can. Let me tell you, shortcuts are always short-sighted. Shortcuts never give us the, the whole picture. Shortcuts only create more trouble. So let me tell you, instead of taking shortcuts, this is what we need to do. We need to do exactly what God tells us to do. Because God is responsible for the consequences of our obedience, but we are responsible for the consequences of our disobedience. And let me tell you, you will never go wrong when you obey God. Noah didn't just hear the word of God. He did exactly what God told him to do. Genesis 6, 9, Noah tried always to conduct his affairs according to God's will. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you try to conduct all your affairs according to God's will? Do you say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Let me tell you, God blesses people. Who, who follow his instructions. Let me tell you, never take shortcuts. I remember when I was 21 years old, all the people in my world, all my friends, they all had a girlfriend. And I looked around and I thought, you know what? I need a girlfriend. I thought, oh, she looks good to me. So I wrote her a letter. Dear so and so, I really like you. Not that I even liked her, but I was just like, everyone's having a girlfriend, so I should have a girlfriend. I wrote her a letter. And I thought she will say yes, but I got a rejected rejection. I got rejected, but I thank God I got rejected. What was I trying to do? I was trying to take shortcuts. And I'll never forget one day a young lady in our church, she was preaching and I looked at her and there was a little voice inside of me that said, that's the girl that you're going to marry. And I knew that God called me uh, to marry her. And, and, I, and she said to me, look, I really feel God telling me that I should marry you. I was like, this is great. But I had one problem. I had everyone in the youth group, all the boys in the youth group. There were five of them. They all wanted to marry her. And I thought, I've got competition. I've got competition. I'll never forget one time after the service, I was part of the prayer team. And this young man comes up. And he asked me to pray for him. And I said to him, what would you like me to pray for? And he was like, God's told me that I I should marry Sharon. I was like, is that right? (laughs) Oh, God's told me too. I was like, brother, raise your hand. All of a sudden I got the, uh, got the anointing of a televangelist and I just said to him, look, I just really feel that God's called you to be a missionary. I see, I see Middle East, I see Madagascar and, and I just prophesied him. I haven't seen him since then and uh, I don't know. And look, if you want prophetic words, I'll be available after the service. And, uh, but I'll never forget, you know, I was so tempted to take shortcuts. And, but I, I, I really want to say to people here today, if you're single and you're waiting for your future life partner, or people around you, all your friends are getting married, let me tell you, don't be tempted to take shortcuts. Don't settle for anything. You know, if you're single and you're ready to mingle and you're like, you know, where, who, who is it, her, is it her? her?" Let me tell you, follow the call of God on your life. You have been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb, precious blood of Jesus. Don't just go, stay committed to the call of God on your life. Don't take shortcuts. Can I get an amen this morning if you you believe that? Thank you. You can clap, it's all right. Number three. Discouraging delays. Is that like a delay? That that, that just—it's like New Zealand over there. And sorry about that. Discouraging delays. Galatians six nine. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing, if we don't get discouraged and give up. The most difficult part of that verse is where it says, after a while. After a while. I have learned that God works in the after a while. After a while, we will reach our goal. After a while, we will fulfill our destiny. After a while, we will accomplish our dreams. It often happens after a while. I shared this in the first service. Just talked about my wife. When we were married seven or eight months into our journey, my wife was told she will never have children. She will never conceive. As a, young, as a young couple, we were so devastated. We were, we were heartbroken. But I remember one time God said to us, I'm giving you a promise. You're going to have a son, and you should call him Joshua. I was like, God, are you serious? We, I, didn't you hear the doctor? The doctor said to us, we will never conceive. Honest truth, and not, not that I've lied before this or after that, but I'm telling you the honest truth. Well, I was sitting one Saturday afternoon, and my wife came out of nowhere. And I prayed this prayer, God, I'm bored. I need a project. I don't know where. My wife comes running and she goes to me. Guess what? I'm pregnant. I felt like Mary. How was this possible? I mean, I know how it was possible, but you know, I kept. (laughs) Sorry, it's jet lag again. But anyway, and I was just like, I went into happy shock. I, I cleaned the entire house. I mean, spring cleaning. I was like, My wife, if I don't do housework, she's like, I'm pregnant. And, um, you know, that gets me moving. I was just like so happy. When we met the doctors again, they said to us, just want to let you know, This is a high-risk pregnancy, and my wife had to be had to have bed rest for twelve weeks. And you know, it was crazy showing up to church, and everyone's like, "Where is his wife?" I mean, this guy comes and preaches, and he just walks around like nothing's happened. Where is? And they were like, "Hi, pastor. How are you? Is everything okay?" I'm like, "Oh, life is good." And uh, you know, they're like, "Where is your wife?" Uh, We couldn't tell anybody, Uh, and I'll never forget one Saturday, so one Sunday morning, God often uses the most unexpected people. This young girl came and said to me, Boyd, I want to let you know, last night I was praying for your wife and God gave me a word. And he wanted me to tell you that he wants Sharon to know that the seed that is planted in her is in good soil. Let me tell you, that encouragement just gave us the faith to keep going and to keep believing. And and, and on the uh, 28th of October, 2013, a healthy baby boy was born. And the midwife said to me, the baby is born, you can't put him back, have a nice life. (laughs) Let me tell you, never doubt the promises of God when you're in a season of discouragement. Never doubt what God has shown you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. In In a season of delay, when God presses delay, I said this again in the first service, you wouldn't know this, I've got eyesight problems with my left eye. You know, if I close my right eye and play, preach with my left eye, you can all go home and I wouldn't know. I will just carry on preaching. I know you wouldn't do that to me. People in my church do it all the time. And, uh, and, and I just carry on preaching. And I'll never forget one time a, a, a youth pastor friend of mine said to me, Boy, come, come to our church, youth service. We've got a healing evangelist and, and he, let's get him to pray for your eyes. And, and there I was. And uh, the healing evangelist called me up on stage and he said, I want to pray for your eyes. He said to me, God has healed you. I want you to leave this building now practicing your miracle. I want you to close your right eye and walk hard using your left eye. So I did what the man of God asked me to do. And, and it was a youth service, so everything was really dark. So when I got to the foyer, that, you know, there, there was a platform that I had not seen when I walked in. It was dark. I had no idea where I was going. I was busy practicing my miracle. I walked straight into the platform and I cut my. Leg and my leg, and my leg was bleeding. I was a bit confused. I went to the healing service with one <laughs> bad left eye, and now I'm going home with a bleeding leg and a, and a, and a bad eyesight. <laughs> I, I thought, what's going on? I said to the guy, I won't write you an endorsement. I don't, I'm not the good guy. I'm not a good person to write an endorsement for your ministry because, I'll, you know, this is bad. Um, and, and I'll never forget when I got to the car park, I said to myself, I'm never going to pray for my eyes. Three weeks later, I was in India, and I preached, and at the end of the message, I, I gave an altar call, and I said to people, if you want prayer, come to the front, and Leon would know this, when you tell people in India, if you want prayer, come to the front, everyone comes to the front. When I say everyone, everyone comes to the front. The first guy, he comes up, and I said to him, brother, what can I pray for? He said, pastor, I want you to pray for my eyes. I was just like, God, are you Sure. I prayed for his eyes. He goes, the second guy comes. And I said, what can I pray for? He goes, Pastor, will you pray for my eyes? I was like, God, are you really sure? This is like blind leading the blind. Like, can you send something like back pain or, you know, um, I was going to say hair issues, but I shouldn't be praying for that either. But anyway, you know, headaches or something, something a little bit different. Can you mix things up? Third guy, he comes to the front and he said, Pastor, I want you to pray for my eyes, but this time it was his left eye. I was just like, okay. I prayed for his eyes, simple prayer. And then he says, he tells me this. He goes, I can see. I can see better. But Let me tell you, on the inside, I was just like, are you joking? Oh, come on, God. I've got the same problem and you heal him. This is not fair. I was like, oh. God spoke to me. He said, Boyd, when you're waiting for your miracle, learn to celebrate someone else's miracle. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in the delayed season. And you're like, God, when is it happening? But people around you are experiencing their miracle and their breakthrough. Let me tell you, learn to celebrate someone else's miracle. Fourth, but four, number four, cultural distractions. Cultural distractions. Let me tell you culture will test you. I'm sure you would agree with me there are so many things in our culture today to distract us from fulfilling our destiny. Let me give you four examples of the kind of distractions that culture will present. Number one, pleasure. Pleasure. If we only live for fun, comfort, and entertainment, let me tell you, we will miss our destiny. Don't get me wrong. I love fun. I, I love this church. Church should be fun because church should be enjoyed, not endured. If church is boring and it's frozen chosen, I'm not going to show up. And, I, and I'm a pastor. Because the Bible said, says in the book of Psalms, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It doesn't say I was mad or sad or you know grumpy when it said, let, when, when I go to the house of the Lord. Let me tell you, but fun shouldn't be the goal. God's greatest goal for our lives is not our comfort, but our transformation. Number two, the second distraction, possessions. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with having possessions. Possessions can get us off track. Our culture says we judge our success by how many things we acquire, by how many things we own. But let me tell you, Jesus said, A man's life doesn't consist consist of the abundance of things he possesses. Let me tell you, Jesus marks success very differently. Living your best life, Jesus marks it different to how culture measures it. The third distraction is popularity. Let me tell you, popularity is a common goal because we want to be loved, we want to be respected, we want to be looked up to, we want to have status. We are constantly worried about what other people think uh, of us. Let me tell you, if you're a people pleaser, this is what I've come to the conclusion, you can never please anybody. Often people will say, this is the expectation. This is the line. If you, if you meet that uh, d- uh, line, I will, you, I, you will make me happy. But then I, I've realized when you get, the, get, when you get to the line, the line moves and you're always trying to catch up to the line. Let me tell you, don't live for the approval of men. Don't live for the approval of people. Live for an audience of one. Live for the glory of God. Popularity. The fourth distraction is profit. Culture says our number one goal should be to get rich. Now, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with making a profit. In fact, the Bible commends people who make a profit, but that should not be our number one goal in life. Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. Let me tell you, money is a tool to be used, not to be served. Pleasure, possessions, popularity, profit, profit. Actually, don't let these things distract you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. I love this. Noah lived in a time of great corruption, violence, and immorality. God looked down in the darkness and found one person who was different from everyone else, and that was Noah. Genesis 6, 8. But Noah was different. God liked what He saw in Noah. That's my prayer for you as a church this morning. God looked down and he, and he saw what he liked at Life Central Church. An entire culture was headed one way, but Noah dared to be different. He wasn't distracted. Here's the truth. Great people never follow the crowd. They take what is the road less traveled. Great people never follow the crowd. They take what is the road less traveled. Let me tell you about the road less traveled. There is no traffic problems. There's no traffic jams. Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Let me tell you, God is always looking for people to use and bless. And I want to be one of those people. I want you to be one of those people. Let me tell you, don't let the enemy distract you. I'm going to close with this if I could ask the team to come and join me just to give you a little bit of hope. One of the TV programs I love watching is Air Crash Investigation. Raise your hand if you like watching that TV program. Basically, this is a program where a group of investigators find out what what caused the plane crash. I remember watching one particular episode where 101 people died on flight number 401 Eastern Airlines because the pilot and the flight engineer was preoccupied with the burnt-out landing gear indicator light. They failed to notice that the autopilot had been disconnected and no one was flying the plane and the aircraft was gradually losing altitude and crashed. At the time, it was the second deadliest air crash in, um, disaster in, uh, in the United States. The entire time, while the plane was going down, the pilots and the first officer were, were focusing on the burnt-out lighting bulb. They were trying to work hard why it was not lighting up. Do you know how much this little light bulb cost? Six pounds. They were so focused on this little light bulb that cost six pounds they forgot to fly the plane let me encourage you don't get distracted stay on mission stay on mission because if the enemy can't destroy you he will try to distract you don't listen to the voice of doubt instead listen to the voice of God don't take shortcuts instead do what God is asking you to do don't get get discouraged in the delay stay faithful to God Don't get distracted by what is happening around you. Dare to be different. Do you know who's gonna change this community? People who say, we're we're gonna be different. Dare to be different. Or have your eye closed for a moment. Maybe you're here today, and I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. If you're here today and you're like, boy, there are so many voices of doubt, negativity, criticism, labels that people have put over your life. I really believe there are people here today. You were told by someone, in authority or a school teacher or a boss, you were this, you were that, you don't have it in you. Let me tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You believe that lie and you have been living your life according to their words. Today, God wants to break those words spoken over you. Those words of death spoken over you. Today, God is saying to you, don't listen to the voices of doubt. Listen to the voice of God. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. Maybe you're going through a season of delay and discouragement has set in. Maybe you came to church discouraged and you're like, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. Maybe you've had a bad start to 2019. All you have been experiencing is is, is discouragement or disappointment after disappointment. One door after another door closed before you. Or maybe you're distracted. Maybe culture has distracted you. Maybe, maybe you've been distracted from the mission, the call of God on your life. Maybe you're tempted to take some shortcuts. You're like, you know what, I want to try and get to the destination as fast as I can. And you're trying to take all these shortcuts. If you're here today, I want to pray for you on the count of three. I want you to quickly stand to your feet and say, God, I surrender this to you. Thank you. I surrender this to you. I'm giving you full control. Help me to stay faithful and to live wholeheartedly. One, two, three. Wherever you are, would you mind standing up? Yes, thank you. Yes, 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 thank you. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for everyone standing right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. I pray, will you move from the front to the back, left to the right, right now. I pray for strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against all the labels, labels of negativity, criticism, be broken. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Chains be broken. Critical words be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone feeling discouraged. God, I pray that they will rise above discouragement. We declare, as we were reminded this morning, today is a new day. Today is a new day. I pray that people will rise above discouragement. Lord, I pray for anyone tempted to take shortcuts. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to obey You. Help us to follow Your Word. Lord, I, I thank You for the plans and purposes that You have for every single person. He who has God called You is faithful. So right now, I pray for strength. I pray for renewed strength. I pray for hope. And I declare that our best days are still in front of us. You are working behind the scenes. You are opening new doors. You are closing all the wrong doors and we say to you today we trust you we trust you trust in the lord with all your heart and do not rely in in your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight so father in the name of jesus right now touch your children so we give you all the glory honor and praise in jesus mighty name we pray and everybody said amen would you give jesus a big clap offering as we stand to our feet everybody in this room In a moment, the team's going to lead us in this song. And I don't want us to just listen to a message. I want us to make a commitment where every one of us say this morning, God, I choose to live wholeheartedly. I choose to live wholeheartedly as the team lead us. Would you make that declaration? Would you make that commitment? God, no matter, I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be distracted. I choose to live wholeheartedly. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Tim.